Alright, welcome to Peepsqueak, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. Alright, people, welcome to Peepsqueak, the cafe. I'm Sean, your host. Hi. You know, here at the cafe, we always have a conversation centered around a drink. And today I am drinking on some water. Boom, boom, boom. There you go. And it is 6.20 a.m. on Thursday on October the 28th, the same day that this episode comes out. And so I am drinking on some coffee. Look at that. Look at that latte. Well, technically not coffee, a latte. Boom, boom, boom. Looks pretty. Yep, 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 yep. Let me get a little sip. Look at that phone. Mm. Ah, delicious. All right. So we are on episode 55. Episode 55 is going to be called loaded word all right so this should be a fairly short episode hey because i need to still edit before it comes out but i wanted to take a a quick moment just to have a a a conversation relating to the cow rittenhouse matter particularly in regards to um some recent rulings by the presiding judge as it relates to some of the motions in limine that were filed by each of the different differing sides relating to this particular case. So, you know, on social media, there was a lot of chatter about a particular ruling that the judge made as it relates to evidence and the manner in which evidence can come into this particular case. So for those of you who don't know, I'm sure you should know, right? There were some, there was this major issue and last year, I want to say, was it 2020 with Jacob Blake? Okay. There's a black man who was shot by police officers. He was shot in the back. There's variant stories about why he was shot from the angle of the camera that caught the shooting. It appeared as if he was unarmed. And later thereafter, after an investigation, they were called in apparently or allegedly for a domestic issue. And apparently he had a knife in his hands or in his pockets. Again, I don't know if this is true or not. This is allegedly from the police perspective. But that situation in the midst of everything else that was going on in the United States with the civil unrest, particularly when it came to race relations, that created a, a shitstorm right, in Kenosha. And so there were some you know, some some rallies, community folks coming out and doing whatever they wanted to do to exercise their right to protest in relations to various issues. And one of the issues was police brutality. That escalated, right? Escalated to the point where there were, you know, the typical things that happened. There was some looting, there was some arson, what what have you, right? But what we do know in Kenosha is that 
a lot of people came in from different areas who didn't live in Kenosha. And one of those individuals was Kyle Rittenhouse, who was 17 at the particular time, who, as I understand it, borrowed his mom's car to drive from Illinois to Kenosha, Wisconsin, so that he can do what he claimed to be protecting businesses that he had no relationship to. No relation, like it wasn't his family's business. No one hired him as a security guard. Why would you hire a 17 year old? But anyhow, he came with an AR-15 and he called himself patrolling. Now, I I invite you all to make your own determination by going and look at some of the videos that shows this. But there's videos of him interviewing about why he came. He gives varying his account. There's videos of him actually giving medical assistance to some of the protesters. Now, I don't know if they were the protesters or if they were folks who also claimed to be militia who were protecting businesses. And a lot of this quote-unquote protection of businesses were businesses that they did not have any direct connection with, right? And so he is on trial for shooting three people. And I think he is, he is on trial for two counts of murder and one count of attempted murder. That is the murder of Joseph Rosenbaum, Anthony Huber, and then he severely wounded Gage Gross Cruz, I think that's how you pronounce it, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce the name. There were people who were kind of teed off, pissed off, right? That the judge had ruled that, or at least there was some discussion about the judge ruling that the prosecution cannot refer to any of the three folks as victims. That the three folks, the two decedents, the two individuals who were deceased and the the severely injured victim. Notice how it just normally easily just slipped out of my vocabulary to say victim. But, you know, the judge said that that it was a loaded word and that necessarily alleged victim was its, its cousin. Now, I would tell you these were just snippets of the hearing, but I actually sat through the two and a half hours of the hearing just so I can get a full context of what was going on. So I just want to explain from my perspective as I saw the rulings in the particular case. I don't think there was technically a motion filed so that the prosecution can call the three individuals a victim, right? But the judge has a standing order. And a lot of times what happens is, is that when you practice before some judges, some judges just have standard practices and orders of how they run their courtroom. It has absolutely nothing to do with a ruling. Sometimes it has nothing to do with the law. It's just their preference. This is their domain. And so when you come into their domain, these are things that you need to follow. One of his standing orders is that the prosecution cannot refer to individuals that they're bringing cases um, against as victims. He says that you can call them complaining witnesses. And in the case of the two deceased individuals, you can call them the deceased, right? Now, 
why he has that standard order, I don't know. But what he does say in this hearing is that he knows that most of the judges in the area that he practices in, in the county that he practices in, disagree with him, right? Disagree with him. And you will hear the prosecution if you sit through the evidentiary hearing, you will hear the prosecution go to bat with him on that, particularly in the fact that many of the laws that they enforce, they have a Victims' Rights Act, they have other laws and statutes on the books that they also enforce that actually use the word victim in the title, right? Now, the judge perspective is, is that technically there isn't a victim until there is a decision that a crime has occurred, right? Now, I want to just quickly step back and say this, typically in and the law, the way things are are handled is that words are normally given the normal course meaning, right? How we refer to them, their everyday meaning, unless the legislation takes the time to define a word, right? You normally would give a word as it relates to any kind of crime, any kind of statute, it's normal meaning. That's Statutory Construction 101, right? And again, on this podcast, even though I'm a lawyer, this is not legal advice. This is just my opinion, and this is for informational purposes only. Now, there are going to be some lawyers who disagree with me, right? I would think, quite frankly, that Kyle's defense team would disagree with me. Now, the definition of victim that I just pulled up says a person harmed, injured, or killed as a result of a crime, accident, or other event or action. It says a person who was tricked or duped, like, you know, or a living creature killed as a religious sacrifice. Now, we know that the top, the first definition that I gave you seems to be more in line. And there were three categories of things that will allow this person to be considered or called a victim. The result of a crime, an accident, or an event or action. It is without doubt that Kyle is charged with a crime. Right. In fact, he's charged with two, three, maybe more. Right. Two counts of murder, one count of attempted murder. Right. So that is a crime. It didn't say that you have to be convicted. It didn't say that in, in order to be a victim that you the jury have to say yay, nay to, to a, a crime that you're charged with. Right. And quite frankly, there is another aspect of that meaning or other or other event or action and quite frankly we are, we are not in disagreement right and neither is Kyle and his defense team not in disagreement that he did not shoot the people right the three individuals I don't think there's any evidence in any statement made by his team that he was not on the other side of the gun and pulled the trigger that killed two of the folks and harmed one we are all in agreement with that what what the defense is saying is that it was self-defense, right? And so I just want to make that clear that this is a standing order, right? In this, in this particular case, um, excuse me, with this particular judge. And as the prosecution indicated that he has practiced throughout the, the state, his courtroom is the only courtroom where individuals are not allowed to be referred to as victims, right? And so I just want to make that clear. It wasn't technically an order that he created as a result of a motion. 
Okay. Now that doesn't mean that I agree with it. I, I think the rule makes absolutely no sense from my perspective. I don't understand from a legal perspective why it matters. I don't understand why he says it's a loaded word. To me, it's not a loaded word. It's clear if you give it its, it's normal meaning, its everyday meaning. A victim is a victim, right? Um, and now if that victim wants recourse, right, then that's different. Then you are now going into the legal system, whether that is you want to sue or in this particular case, the state is bringing its authority to to try to bring recourse for the event that caused you to be a victim. Right. So the reasoning is just asinine for me. Now, I'm just going to respectfully disagree with that judge. I think that standing order is, quite frankly, stupid. All right. <laughs> Putting that aside. There was a discussion or emotion relating to being able to use the terms looter, arson, and rioter. Now, I, I do also want to put some clarity about what the ruling was, and at least as I understood it sitting through the two and a half hour hearing. What, what he says is that if the defense can bring evidence to substantiate that any of the three individuals were either a rioter or looter or arsonist, that he, they would be able to argue that right now, the way that I understood that based upon the example that the judge gave is that they would be able to make that argument in either their opening and more likely than not in their closing, because it's during the course of the trial that allegedly they would be able to bring in evidence to substantiate that one or all three of the individuals engage in one or three of the acts. Now, I think those words are loaded, right? You just think about, take that, put it back to January the 6th. There are folks who call them insurrectionists. There are folks who said that they were defending the flag. There are folks who were saying that they were protesting. How you use a word matters on how you shade your perspective on that person. And so for me, I did wholeheartedly disagree with the judge perspective here by giving the defense the opportunity to say rioter, looters, or arsonists. Neither of those issues have to deal with self-defense, right? And quite frankly, they don't have to deal with self-defense in this particular case because Kayo was not in the location where he allegedly was said he was guarding, which I think is some kind of car dealership or something, right? He was out and about walking, right? After he shot one of the individuals, which I think is Rosenbaum, he then runs with his AR-15 down the street and he leaves the scene after he shot Rosenbaum, right? Didn't try to help him, didn't try to get assistance, medical assistance, even though he had a medical kit and even though he knew that he had wounded him either severely or possibly killed him, even though there were folks who are screaming in the midst of all of this, he leaves the scene and then that escalates to the point he's running and people are trying to figure out what's going on because he just shot someone, right? And <clears throat> as they're running, at least as the video shows, he shoots off another seven shots as he's fallen down. And though those shots strike Mr. Huber and Gage, I'm just going to call you by your first name. I, I'm sorry about that. So whether the people were engaged in rioting earlier that day, looting earlier that day or the day before, arson earlier that day, 
or the day before. None of that matters in the sense of how the defense were saying that they want to be able to bring in evidence relating to these acts because that would show the level of aggression that these individuals could have had at the time that the shooting happened. I, I just want you to understand the nuance of that. It isn't that he saw these individuals acting right and destroying his personal property um, or property that he quote unquote was protecting. And so therefore he was in a protective stance. We're not saying that, right? The argument isn't that he was viewing these things. The argument is, is that we want to be able to come in and basically run their name in the mud, right? So that the presumption can be that if they were able to loot or able to engage in arson, then therefore they had the propensity to have more aggression when they came near Kyle. And therefore it was reasonable for Kyle to shoot them in self-defense. And I, you know, those type of arguments are arguments that I would immediately say um, are prejudicial, right? Because A, the two individuals are not here to to have a conversation about it, to to defend themselves in regards to the allegations that you are alleging that they are engaging in a crime in, right? And so that is problematic, but he allowed it. And also what he 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 indicated, he being the judge, one other ruling that he indicated is that because there is some lawsuits, civil lawsuits going on, I think some of the families have brought maybe a wrongful, wrongful death lawsuit against Kyle. And I think the one who was injured is also bringing a lawsuit. What the judge said is that if witnesses relating to that lawsuit testify, that the defense would be able to use that as attack against their credibility in other words to say to these individuals who's lost their loved ones who's now suing which is what they're legally entitled to do they felt that that an individual caused a harm and was reckless in his behavior and want to sue him for recourse right that's what the law permits them to do there has not been a decision yet and so what the judge says is that they will be able to attack them because obviously these people have a propensity in, in essence to lie, right? Or to testify a certain way so that that testimony can ultimately, ultimately help them with the civil case. Now, I, I don't, again, I, I, I think the ruling is out of touch. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about a self-defense claim, right? which is the burden of the defense to prove, right? It's their burden to prove. And I just felt that the rulings gave them an upper hand as it relates to some of the evidence that he permitted to let come in. And then another ruling that he did was that the prosecution did ask that people be referred to as their first name, excuse me, their, their proper name, Mr. This, Mr. That, Mrs. That. And the judge indicated that his standing rule is, is that if there are of age that they would be referred to by their proper name, whether that's Mr. Mrs. or doctor, but the defense again gets to refer to their client as Kyle, right? And, you know, some people might say, well, that's stupid. What does it matter? But, you know, that is a legal 
technique for people to refer to their client by the first name because it humanizes them. It makes them seem as if they're not a villain, even though they're on trial. Right. And so I just want people to to keep in mind that, you know, while I disagree with it, I thought it was important to put context to how the decision was made in regards to the terms victim, looting, rioting, rioters and arsonists. Right. And so that's important so that then you can form your own opinion about it. Right. Because if you just go with what is highlighted, sometimes it, it may come off a little different than it was. Now, I'm not saying I agree with the judge at all. I do not, particularly with the term victim, but it is what it is. It's his court, not mine. But yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I will be watching this case and hopefully they will be streaming it consistently i think it's going to be streamed on the wisconsin supreme court's website and i want to do some commentary on it because i do think this is an important case i think this case also highlights a very important issue of why it matters about who is serving as lawyers who's serving as judges who's serving as police officers you need more people and more diverse swath of individuals sometimes and that means that people need to get out there, particularly when it comes to local judges, state judges. A lot of them are are picked based upon them running for that position. Again, I'm not saying that it matters whether this judge is white, black, green, orange or blue. I'm not saying that. I do think that his his reasoning is out of touch. Right. With the, the sense of the term victim. And, you know, but in his head, he thinks it's important and it's his courtroom and he gets to run his courtroom the way he runs it. As long as it doesn't go afoul of any legal principles and, you know, there are checks and balances in the system. If the prosecution felt that the decisions as it relates to the, the terms rioters, looters and arsonists is bad, they can ask for an interlocutory appeal. Interlocutory appeal basically says, look, we know this case isn't done yet, but we want you to pause it for a minute because we want to take this up to a higher court to get a, a second opinion on the ruling. That's something that that they can ask for now, depending on the jurisdiction is how it's going to occur. Right. So, you know, some jurisdictions, it requires that particular judge to say, yes, I agree with you. Right. I will go ahead and pause and let you take it up. Some do it as a matter of right, depending on um, the type of issue that you want to bring up. So the law is all nuanced. And so, yeah, I just wanted to have this quick conversation. So that is the episode, episode 55. It is called Loaded Word. I think this is my shortest episode yet. <laughs> so until next time, make sure that you continue to drink, listen, and converse. I'm Sean. Peace and love.